mentally or physically, success could be defined as getting up one more time after you've been knocked down over and over and over again. I'm T. Wood, and this is Triumphant Moments, where I highlight significant moments that are far beyond the surface to inform, encourage, and inspire people to triumph over their life challenges. With me, I said with me today, I have none other than Carl Gilliard. He is an actor, producer, director, writer, educator, and entertainment consultant. He is originally from Detroit, Michigan, by way of Chicago, Illinois. He is a graduate of Michigan State University. He's had many television and film roles, which facilitated his masterful skills in networking and forming relationships that has catapulted him into becoming extremely well-respected in the industry. He resides in Los Angeles with his wife and business partner, Latanya Gilliard. Together, he and his wife have five children. My brother, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? He would. My brother from the DMV. Is that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I just said that for the first time. Every time I see the DMV thing, I think it's the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, but I, I found out that it's actually not that. It's Don't so do that. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I was born yesterday. <laughs> what do you do? In the, is there a routine in the mornings? Push-ups, sit-ups, prayer? Why you have to say the push-ups, man? Because that's that's what I've been, you know. Forms of bulging out, sir. Do push-ups in the morning and at night, Come and on. then I just kind of fell off, and now I'm like jelly. Um, <laughs> but I, I gotta I gotta correct one thing in the bio you put out there. It's not a big thing; it's a small thing, and maybe I need to reverse how I stated in my bio. I am originally from Chicago, mm. and moved to Detroit later. But I claim both as my home cities, even mm. though Chicago is probably more my home city. But I love Detroit. Much respect to the big motor city. Um, so my 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 routine. Uh, well, well, obviously meditation. And I have a devotional that I read every single day. It's in my bag. Sometimes right. I do it when I wake up, which is when I should do it. Other times I don't. I wait till I get where I'm going to be and spend five, ten minutes in that devotional. Mm -hmm. um, I do go to the gym in the morning. Uh, I try to do it three or four times a week, and that varies depending upon how my schedule is going to be that day. Okay. Uh, but I do have a membership at LA Fitness, and I go there. When I go, I go at 5 to 35, 45 in the morning. That's and I leave there at 6 30, 6.45. Hmm. Um, and, I, you know, you mentioned that I'm an educator. So <clears throat> I, uh, I teach school, hmm. and I teach school kind of on my terms. Okay. I love kids. Right. And it started off as me just doing it to kind of make more money and to kind of offset when I'm not working as an actor and all that. Right. And there's still elements of that that are present, but I do it more now because I love it. I love working with kids. Mm -hmm. I love, when I tell you when, you know, and I think that it resonates because the schools I go to, right. the kids love me. And I think they love me because they see I love them. They It just wow. that I kind of come off, not like your standard teacher, but that I actually mm -hmm. care about them. And it's because I have conversations with them, I joke with them, but I joke with them in a kind of a, of a uh, of an educational way, so that they learn something and take away something about themselves that I help that I help them see by the way that I deal with them and the way that I relate to them. And I really, really, really enjoy it. And I have this love hate relationship with middle school kids. Middle school middle school kids are tough. They are tough, tough, tough. 
Cool. And, but I love working with them because they're amazing <laughs> and they, they make me laugh. So, oh my gosh, it's also uh, fulfilling. Uh, just as much as energy as you invest in them, you get back. You know, mm-hmm. fulfilling when you see them progress and the things that the changes that you they, the way you're able to affect their life. Right, exactly. So I do that, and then you know, my days are so different. I mean, depends on what projects I'm working on. So, you mm-hmm. know, working on a TV show, I end up having to go to set, and that turns into a, a amount of prep time to do the role. Uh, I just finished a, a play that was an enormous undertaking for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do anything but think about that play for about five weeks, um, and so that involved you know rehearsals four to five times a week. Right. planning them, you know, what type of, you know, blocking kind of emotional beats that were going to happen in the scenes that I had ideas about. It's a big time collaboration with the actors and the producers on that and the writer. So, mm-hmm. so when I'm doing a project, then it circles around, you know, what I'm doing with that time. Right. You right. know, so right. you know, really, I mean, the only staple of what I do right. every single day probably has to do with the going to the gym at 5.45 in the morning, 5.30. And going to bed that night and making sure my wife isn't mad at me, which is really, you know, that's hard because, you know, I'm a dude, I'm a man, and I forget stuff, and I, I say stupid things that I don't want to say, but I just say them, and then I say, oh, that was really stupid, wasn't it? Too late, came with the back. Oop, I said, oh, right. can't change that. I said, honey, that was stupid, wasn't it? She says, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Said, yeah. No, it's good. See, <laughs> I, I wanted to really uh, press upon you. Okay, so. Now you said primarily, okay, Chicago, growing yeah. up in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. What was life like for Carl growing up in Chicago? Siblings, like, well, how was it in your household? How was that for you? Well, you know, I was born when Eisenhower was president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, General Eisenhower. So I, I was, wasn't dating anything. Just, um, I just say it was fifty-eight. Okay, so. My time in Chicago were in the 60s. I was, okay. you know, all the pivotal things that happened in the 60s, the Kennedy assassination, I remember that. I remember Malcolm X being assassinated. I remember King very well, Martin Luther King. So this is when I grew up in, this, in, in, in the 60s in Chicago. And um, it was tough because my mom and dad split up, you know, when I was about eight, oh, how old was I? Like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see my dad a lot in those years. Uh, but, um, I had a cousin who really poured into me and kind of took me around. He was only four years older than me, but he was very independent. We would go to ball games, cup games, Sox games, and he's the one that exposed me to films. Hmm. And once I started going to films, I just could not get enough of going to the movies Hmm. and watching television and uh, absorbing information from the newspapers about the industry. This started when I was a very, very young boy. And that's kind of where I plunged my energy once, you know, kind of disruption in my household happened. You know, I had a brother and a sister. I'm, I'm the oldest. You're kinda, the oldest. Okay. Yeah. You know, my, my youngest sibling is uh, born in 1961. So it's only three years difference. So um, so we were kind of close. It's 61. Yeah, he was born. Yeah, yeah, 61. Mm-hmm. So um, we were close in age, but I was kind of, I felt like I was kind of like much older because I felt like I was like by myself and then they were together. Although that wasn't true. We were all in the same house, but I just felt like I was like in my own little world and they were just, I can't explain that. So it's no slam on anybody, just the the way it felt growing up. And uh, in Chicago was, um, 
I still love Chicago. I mean, Chicago, uh, when I go there, I feel like I'm, I'm being charged. My, like my energy is being charged for, wow. you know, I just feel when I'm in the city, just walking around downtown, it just feels like I am now being charged. This is where I belong. This is where I'm from, my roots. And, uh, so that's Chicago. And Detroit was a whole different ball game, but you didn't ask about that, did you? No, well, actually, yeah, the combination. <laughs> like, how much time would you, when we say growing up, uh, let's kind of put it in sections here. So, how much time was actually spent growing up in Chicago and what portion was in Detroit? Was So, there was a portion in Detroit that you spent actually growing up. Oh, absolutely. I left there. I left Chicago when I was 12. Wow. Detroit, and moved to Detroit because my mother and father reconciled. And my dad was in Detroit. So my mom moved us to Detroit. And those were great years, too. I mean, um, you know, I had great friends there. had a great experience in high school and, you know, middle school. I moved there in seventh grade. I was 12. Wow. And uh, I was a fat kid. I was a big, fat, big, fat guy. In your opinion, in your opinion, of course. No, 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 no. It was no opinion. I was a big, fat guy. And then I lost, I lost all my weight around, you know, I was uh, around 13, you know, and I slimmed down and all that. And my dad told me, my dad was a very athletic man. And he said, you lose this weight. I said, I'll buy you a whole bunch of clothes. So I lost the weight. And he bought me all these really nice clothes. And I was like in eighth grade. I was styling, Jack. I was looking good every day. My dad put these clothes on me. <laughs> you know, because my dad was not very happy about having a fat kid. You know, you know, because <laughs> my dad was like, <laughs> "What about the process? What, 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 what about the process? Like you, like during that time for a child, for a young, well, arguably a young teenager. Like, what do you remember? Some things that you did to lose that? No, it was just it nothing. It was just it was baby fat. It just fell off. I mean, literally, I left seventh grade in the summertime. Wow. And that summer, just the weight just fell off. I didn't do anything. I was a kid. I didn't have no. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't start eat. I was eating the same doggone food I always. Ate. I didn't. That it was just baby fat. It just fell off me. Wow, wow! You almost make me feel like you thought it, and it just it perfect time, perfect time. And your dad followed through with the clothing. All these clothes, you know, the the. the, the Italian knit shirts, you know, you wear and, you know, the different pants and stuff. No, my dad came through. He, he definitely bought me the clothes. He said he would. He did it. Yeah. I want to say this because it, there's this misconception that being the oldest child makes you the boss. So would you say that being the oldest that you kind of was, quote unquote, the boss or bossy? Would you, would you say that amongst your siblings? Ah, well, I think that uh, I was probably more independent. Okay. Um, that's I, I think that's definitely true. Um, and I was independent earlier. Uh, the boss, I don't know. I don't think so. I didn't. It didn't feel that way. I mean, I, I think I may have tried to boss him around because I was the oldest, but I didn't always go over that well. <laughs> you know, okay. okay, but I was definitely more independent. I feel like I was more independent. I don't know if that's true, but I felt like it. Mm. You know, uh, it's it when you say that it, it makes me feel uh, or sense that. Uh, did you ever have anyone say say that you had an old soul? Were you more drawn toward older uh, or I guess more mature uh, crowds or people in general? Mm, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yes, 
for a long time, um, I was always around older people, older kids, even, you know, in my, you know, and then as I got older, now I'm the oldest, even to this day, everybody around me is younger than me, but I, I kind of switched. But when I was uh, a young man, I was always around older people. That's true. Mm, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to say a couple words and I need you to tell me what comes to mind. College life. I'll repeat. College life, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when when I say those words? Michigan State, great days, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been watching all of these uh, these specials about Magic Johnson. They had the Apple special about Magic, and then they had this 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 movie on uh, the series on uh, HBO Max, right? Uh, championship season, something like that. And I'm really, really loving it. Yeah. And the reason why I'm loving it is because it's so nostalgic. Because Magic gets into his Michigan State experience. And so when I look at it, it reminds me of those years. Um, so I had a great time in Michigan State. I mean, I I don't I won't say they were the best times of my life, hmm. but I think it was a perfect mix of responsibility, but not too much responsibility, having fun but not too much fun, you know, having to work but not too hard, you know, eating, you know, three squares a day, you know, unlimited, you know, girls you could talk to. You know, I mean, it was, you know, I was a young dude. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a, a lot of very, very, very fond memories of uh, of Michigan State and, and East Lansing, Michigan. Go Spartans, go green, go white. I tell you what, uh, major, minor, did you switch at any point? Because uh, you find that in a lot of college students, they'll start off in one area, but then kind of say, nah, I'm more drawn toward doing this. Or were you consistent in in what you what you majored in <clears throat> well i think part of my journey that i think is uh the most uh in, instructor for people is that i did not follow my passions and i knew what i wanted to do very early and i didn't do it because i didn't it could happen for me so this kind of touches on that mm-hmm. um when i first got to michigan state um i was majoring in in, in radio television because i thought i wanted to be a, a broadcaster right. so i started in that area then i said i don't want to do that so i switched out and i went into business and then I, was like, I don't want to do that. And I switched out. And then I, I majored in communication, which is a general discipline within the school of communication. So I majored in communication, which is kind of this, this uh, how do you communicate, you know, the psychology of persuasion, blah, 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 which a lot of sales yeah. operations to recruit out of, it turned out when I got out. Um, but the whole time, I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. So, and I never majored in theater. So my compromise was, was to partner with other actors in the theater department at Michigan State and do theater and do plays and do various things. So I I did get a good hefty um, introduction into that world in college, but I was not in the in the school of theater in the, in the theater department. And um, I wish I had been honestly, but you know you can't poo poo your experience because it all is is good. But uh, but yeah, I did not to your question no what I was doing. I was trying to find it and trying to find ways that was best for me that did not overextend myself into something that I didn't think that I'd be able to get a job later. So I'm thinking about, you know, getting a job, you know, right. what most marketable thing for me to do. That's wrong, in my view. Right. You know, well, so. I, I tell you what, uh, sometimes in pertaining to uh, the different colleges and really even outside of colleges, uh, you have graduate opportunities, but there are a lot of things that you can uh, potentially participate part of oh, um, in the different. Um, you know what? I was being so, nice. 
See, I left my hat in there. I was going to wear an alpha hat. Uh, and I didn't think that you were going to see. But you being a Q, I should have known you are going to backdoor me with this. And I, I don't have nothing to get you with. I ain't got uh, nothing. I'm, yes, sir. You know, but I'm going to be nice. Let you put that up there. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, and so, and you said it. So, uh, you are a member of of. An yes, I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Cross May 24th, 1979. That that uh, this year is 2022. So, so this year it'd be 43 years in the frat for me. May 24th, coming up. Yeah. Look, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I'm going to salute you on that. That's you know, but, but Terrence, I think I told you. You know, my best friend, my longest standing friend in life, is a kid. And he almost got me. You told me that. Almost. Close. close. Ooh, not the. Ooh. What was that? Ooh, I was that. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ooh, was that close? Ooh, was that close? Man, it it does tend to, um, <laughs> you know, have an effect on you, even when you get close to it. Get it close. Yeah, oh, okay. Close, you know, All right. It, I, yeah, I got respect it, for things, you know. I, I tell you what. Um, it's, it's interesting because very curious. I want our followers and listeners to gain an understanding of what sparked your interest in acting. Like, what triggered that connection? Because it was a clear connection. Yeah. I, you know, okay. So when I talk to young people, I talk about the fingerprint. And how God created us all with certain proclivities, talents, gifts, the way we present ourselves to the world and how we want to express ourselves. Everybody's different. You know, that's why you can't put people down for being different than you are. Come on. I see a lot of that today, but I'll table that part. Come on. Um, so for me, as I mentioned earlier, my cousin, after my parents split, who took me under his wing, took me to the movies. And when he did that, my whole world opened up. It's like I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I was like six. I mean, I was a little boy. And I was just, I was just. And, you know, I didn't, would not have known what I would have done. It could have been a producer, which I'm all of these things now. But I just knew I wanted to be in that sphere. I wanted to work in that world. Right. And um, I used to want to be a comedian when I was a kid. And I told a principal one time when I got into trouble. She said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a comedian. And I was seven. So this is how far back it goes. I knew at age seven, I wanted to be a comedian, which I'm not, but that's what I, that's, I was in that whole world of something in this world. So to answer your question, I was really young, but as it turned out, I ended up backing into it because I didn't major in it. But I was in that world through just happenstance, people I met in college who drew me into the theater. Right. Uh, I got out of college. I, I, I thought I quit and I started uh, 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 working for in corporate America. And then I got drawn in again from answering the newspaper ad in Kalamazoo, Michigan to go do civic theater there and start doing theater in Kalamazoo, which is where I ended up after college uh, for a time. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like the, like my life just kept pulling me back into this business, which tells me that that was God's design for my life. And I don't even look at it like, oh, to be some actor and to be some big star is just that wherever my ministry field is, is in this area. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, whether yeah. it's acting, whether it's producing, whether it's talking to actors, whether it's ministering to actors, whether it's acting on set or all of it. Right. It's just that this is my ministry field. 
Right. I don't look at it, although, you know, I do a little bit now because I'm getting older. You know, how much money I'm making and all of that is very important. And right. there's a lot of money there. But I'm looking at it, this is what I'm called to do. And I every time I'm on a set Purpose. or on a stage, I, I'm thriving. Come on, y'all. I love it. I love it. And I have many, many successful friends who are doing extraordinarily well right. and acquaintances. Right. And I look at them, I'm, I'm happy for them. Right. Uh, I, I know that I will maybe join, I, I know, no, not maybe, I know that I will join them in some area before I'm, before I'm gone. Uh, but I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now. Come on. It's like a delicate balance. You know, you want to grow, you want to increase, right. but you need to be happy where you are. Yes. yes. And that's really my big lesson. Listen, y'all bet to catch these gems and these nuggets that's going to be happening uh, throughout the duration of this particular episode. I knew it was going to be like that. That is so important for you to really uh, inherit a balance in your life when right. you're doing something that you know has been internally placed inside you, man. Yeah. You know, so I, I tell you what. Um, with that being said, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny because you actually transitioned to it, but many people underestimate the value of creating and maintaining relationships within any given profession. Right. What are your thoughts on the importance of relationships in your profession? Well, it's very important. I mean, you can't do this business by yourself, especially if you are a creator, if you're producing or creating a project. It's impossible to do it by yourself, even if, well, even when you're acting. I mean, there is a certain level of aloneness with creating characters and doing the work to present what you're going to do and to work in these projects. But even then, you go to the set, you, you're dealing with the director, you're dealing with the writer, you're dealing with other actors. So me, uh, I just really am authentically who I am Come on. wherever I go. Come on. I'm not walking on thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, or they, they'll be impressed, or that they'll like or like Come me. On. I I knew at a pretty young age that being authentically who I am was the most important asset that I had. <laughs> and the older I get, the more it becomes so becomes true. And the times that I'm not authentic and I kind of waver is when I get slammed. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I do it, if I, you know, and I, that's a whole other story and more in my personal life, though. Every time I do that and I kind of, you know, compromise and to fit into somebody's box. Come on, man. Is when I get slammed. Every time. Stated that every time you tried to do something really that was against the grain of who you really are. Right. Is when you ran into that. I guess, what would you call it a wall or just, what would you call it? It doesn't end well. Thank you. Because 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 even when you do that, let's say, because this has happened when I've gotten married. Because, mm -hmm. you know, this is my third marriage. We haven't gotten to this point yet. I want to get ahead of you. Okay. But that's been my weakest point. I think that, you know, uh, maybe it's because of, you know, going through and witnessing my dad, mom splitting. I wasn't really in a firm footing in terms of my personal life and how I, you know, open those doors of matrimony into my life and invited it. I, I should have gone into it with a, from a position of power more so and my authenticity. Mm. And if you accept it or you don't accept it, that kind of thing, rather than saying, okay, I'll do this if you like me, if you, you know, and eh, nah, uh -uh. 
when I mentor young men who are looking to get married right now, who are dating, I always tell them, look, first of all, never be desperate. Always be who you are and then see who you attract, who's buying into it that way, you see. So I and whenever I did that, it it would it kind of set me back a little bit, even in the business. You know, when when I should have been working harder at my craft, working hard at advancing my own thing in the business, I would quit the business because I didn't think I could do it and then do something else. And then that wouldn't work. So it's like it's whether it's personal, whether it's you, you got to walk in the authenticity of your purpose. If God speaks loudest in your life, we can hear it because some people just don't know anyway. And, you know, I just think that I was blessed to know it, but some people don't. And that's OK. But if you know it, if, if God speaks to you loudly and it's something that's in the core of who you are, and you don't follow it. You are not only doing yourself a disservice, but you are cheating the world. And humanity of what God brought you here to do. Listen. That was you brought to bless others. Listen, y'all. Uh, and and, and, so, and then do it in a personal life. Mm-hmm. You know, that person you marry is going to be very unhappy. You think you're doing something to help them be happy. But in fact, they're not happy because they know you're not authentic. They don't really know that's what it is. But it is what it is because you're not able to be what they want you to be in a way they need you to be that because you're not really you anyway. So they need, they, they need to be with somebody who's going to be what they want authentically that. Listen. It just doesn't work. It might work for a little while and then it just crashes. You would honestly say that you, that was a very huge challenge for you in your life that you don't mind about, you know, opening up about mm-hmm. that you either found a way to overcome it uh, or either it happened and you just found a way to cope with it and continue to press on. Oh, I, I have, you know, I'm, you know, T Wood, T Wood. I'm gonna call you T Wood because we brothers, right? All right. right. So there's there's a, so many. I mean, there's so many. I'm 64. I know how old you are, but I'm 64. So 40. I'm gonna speak from my perspective as a 64 year old man. Gotcha. These are all. I mean, there's been so many of them. I think that for me, um, my biggest, well, I've been divorced twice. So I cannot minimize how impactful those experiences were. Those experiences were in terms of me maturing after, learning more about myself. I saw a meme today and it says something about marriage. And I'm going to post it later, actually. It's a, I'm going to repost it. And it basically said, you know, when you get married, you learn more about yourself. So if a marriage fails, you learn a whole lot about yourself if you're really paying attention. Hmm. And it knocks you down. It sets you back. You know, all the things you work for monetarily, homes you've owned, et cetera, now have to be split up. You're starting all over again in some aspect of your life, you know? Hmm. So I think that if I were to pick a time that I had the biggest... Uh, infusion of maturity where I had to really, really bounce back was the second divorce because I was older. I was 55. Hmm. It was unexpected. Well, unexpected because I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Okay. Point is, I didn't think it was going to happen. And I didn't have anything. Literally not even furniture in my house. Wow. 
okay? Barely any money in the bank. I'm 55. And my career as an actor seemed to be dead at that point because I wasn't really working uh, too much at that point. Wow. So um, that was 2013. Hmm. Um, so you ask how did I bounce back? Well, first of all, I think that for me, it was really faith. Even when I was going through it, I knew that God wouldn't leave me there. Even though it hurt, I knew that God wouldn't leave me there. I felt that my legacy was destroyed. My, you know, you know, that I like being a husband, not a perfect guy, but you know, I, I like being married. That's over. My business as an actor didn't seem to, I wasn't doing anything really. I still had a lot of really good relationships. People knew who I was, but I wasn't really working. Right. A year later, I meet my wife. Was it a year later? Yeah. No. 2013, I'm going to get these years straight because it happened so fast. Hmm. I met her in 2013. So my divorce went through in 2013, around November. I met my wife the next month. I met her the next month. I didn't know who she was. I met her the next month. And then we were married a year later. Okay. And so we both kind of started all over again. But we both were. I mean, my wife, I joke around. I think that she might have been the only woman in the entire universe that would even think about marrying me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And she is probably the only woman in the universe that I would have even considered marrying at that point. Because mm -hmm. I just felt that she could really, you know, grow with me and then at this point in my life. So I'm 55, 56 years old now. Yeah. She's in her 50s too. She's like 52. Oh, wait a minute. Was she, no, no, she was 50. She was just turning 50. She's 60. So we didn't really know where we were going. Right. But it was like, and we had some really rough years in the beginning. I mean, I was driving Uber. I was doing Postmates. I was, you know, Lyft. I was doing all kinds of stuff just to keep food on the table. And then I started teaching school too. That's when I started teaching school, like in 2014. Right. And God just began to just expand my territory. Just, just, just doing just crazy stuff and resurrected and is, is resurrecting my acting business. And that all started with my digital series that my wife pushed me to do. I did a show called Two Degrees. It's two degrees a series. Season two is coming, but season one is up right now. But that was a very small, low concept idea that my wife pushed me into. That I had a lot of friends rally around to help me bring to bring to the market. A lot of really, really good people. I could not do that by myself. It was a lot of people who helped me, who wanted to support me. Wow. So um, that was the beginning, and then after that, just things just started happening. So. Now what we are is uh, at 64, I have a total resurrection of my business. Hmm. And what did I do? I didn't really do anything. I didn't see anything or how it was going to happen. Right. But I knew that God was going to do something. Come on. I knew it. I knew he was going to do something. It just felt so unjust. And it's not that I was like, without any blame but look you're a husband okay mm -hmm. that's human people do things people things happen but mm -hmm. you expect that you walk through it together that's the kind of what i'm saying that didn't happen so i felt that um that i felt that that was kind of mistreated you know what i'm saying 
and, and, and but God said, no, no, don't don't trip. Just hold on a second. I got something for you. <laughs> and then I felt that I could hear. I thought that in my spirit, even as there were people giving up on me, laughing at me, saying I was too old for this. You know, there was a whole bunch of that going on. And I'm not trying to say that that was all of it, but because I'm in this vulnerable place, that's really all that I'm hearing. So I'm focusing on all this negativity going on. Oh. It probably in context wasn't as much as it felt like it was. It was just some more. Oh. It was, there wasn't all of, that's just what I was seeing. Cause I was in this, this vulnerable place. Wow. But in all of that, I still knew that God was going to do something in my life. And he's still going to do a lot more. Come on. But where I am now, I'm firmly committed to what I'm doing. And I'm doing it in a place of, of, of elevation and power and contentment mm. and peace. Mm. I feel like I have a normal life finally. But, you know, I made lots of mistakes though, along the way. So it's, you know, but, you know, anyway, I learned from those mistakes. Right, <laughs> right. And I hope to, I hope to teach others as, as I meet them and they come into my, my, uh, my presence that I can hopefully bless others and help them not go that same route. Mm. One of the key things that you, that I can't let be glossed over, uh, that you said, it, you know, and that you really acknowledge it takes a lot to acknowledge is the fact of, yes, I know I made some mistakes. I'm not, you're not saying in anything in your path that you just kind of went along with it and you just made the right decision at each angle. And then, you know, God stepped in. No, you're saying, hey, no, I made some mistakes that probably wasn't the most popular or probably didn't bode favorable favorable in my in my for my situation. You're right. acknowledging that. Absolutely. I still make mistakes. They're not as big though, I don't think. <laughs> you know, they're not as big. But you know, uh I won't get into it, man. There's just so many things. But uh but I tell you what God has done. He's preserved my vitality too. You know, I'm not I feel really good. I have a lot of energy to do a lot of things and uh I'm blessed. In that regard, God is kind of, he's really preserved me too, you know. I, I tell you what, Carl, um, please let everyone know where they can go as far as your social media platforms. Where can they go to see the series and where, where can they go just to follow you in general? Okay. Um, well, my name's right there on my, at Carl Gilliard. You can find me on uh, Instagram there, Twitter there. On uh, even on Facebook, that's my fan page uh, at Carl Gilliard. You can follow me there, but also my um, personal page, which is wide open. It's not a page that I have any limitations on. It's Carl R. Gilliard. That's my personal page on Facebook. So there, and then of course the series is two degrees. The series T W O degrees, like temperature, two degrees. The series that's on Instagram. And on Facebook, where the uh, the episodes currently live, but there could be something happening with that where I might be pulling them off. It might be we may be maybe have a buyer for episode one. We just kind of keep your fingers crossed. Um, season one, I mean. So two degrees of series, uh, Gilliard Media, also on all the platforms. Gilliard Media. What is some encouragement for free that you could provide to all the listeners, no matter what it is? What is something that you can leave them with? Uh, 
and so many things, but I would just say this is the central thing. This is what God brought on my heart, right? When you ask me, is is happiness and contentment is a choice. Happiness and contentment is a choice. It's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. Come on, y'all. I think people think that, oh, this happened to me, I have a right. Well, you do have a right to do what you want to do, but but really you are affecting yourself more when you choose to respond in a way that you know is 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 right, not what you've been provoked to do. There was a uh, a lady, used to be on the radio, her name was Dr. Tony Grant. I don't know if she's still around, but <clears throat> excuse me, she's a psychologist. <clears throat> and she said something that stuck with me. And she said, happiness is not having what you want, it's wanting what you have. I never forgot that. I never forgot that <clears throat> because it's about contentment. And in this business, especially, you could be in a certain place where people want to be at. You're doing something people dreamed about doing <clears throat> and you're busy complaining about, oh, I wish I was like uh, 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 Idris Elba. I don't know, fill in the blank. Come on. And I wish I was, I'm Carl Gilead, but if I was Idris Elba, I'd be really happy. Oh, nah, not really. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> so learn and choose happiness wherever you are because you are honoring yourself by doing that. You are helping yourself, but you're also honoring God. Mm. You're honoring your creator by saying, thank you, Lord, for letting me wake up today. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for having me, the wife that I have, the food that I'm eating, the air I'm breathing. If you don't have those things, then you got something. Whatever yes. you, because if you don't, then you find yourself envying somebody else, Oof. wishing you were like, because that opens the door to envy and Oof. judgment. Oh, Oof. I wish I had done. Why he got that? Why she got that? I know all about what she or he did. How come? How come you gave it to them, Lord? You should give it to me. Oh my God! It just opens the door to envy and and misery. And so that's the best advice that I would give anybody today is to embrace and choose happiness and contentment every single day, every moment you can. And when you fall down, get up and keep doing it. Just start doing it again. You know, don't, don't, you know. And the more you, it's like lifting weights too, last thing, T-Boy. It's like lifting weights. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Come on. Yeah. But you got to practice that one. That's it's it's it's, it's volitional and it, it's intentional. You got to really do it every moment. Yeah, and forgive too. Forgive people. Listen, uh, Carl. Uh, you know where I'm about to go with this, man. You know I, I greatly appreciate you taking our time in your day to one. You know support me on my podcast and the things that I'm doing. Two. Um, you know be willing to step out and step forward and help encourage someone. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, T-Wood. T-Wood. Check it out. As I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, sometimes in life, you must fail in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. But one thing must remain certain. Under no circumstances do you ever, ever, ever give up. Give up. Never. Trying for most with T-Wood. I am with my brother, Carl Gilliard. Y'all take care.